Well, thank you for uh, postponing your fishing trip yeah. to chat with us. It's very no cool. problem. It's it's just uh, I was just going twenty minutes to a beach. Nice. Sounds like a good time. It's coho salmon season. I was hoping to catch a few salmon. Cool. Nice. Nice. Big tasty fish. Yep. Uh, you unfortunately cannot keep sea run cutthroat trout, which are also delicious, but uh, salmon are also very good. Darn government. <laughs> well, it's it's the reason they're doing that is because when they were not doing that, the sea run cutthroat almost went extinct. Oh, so darn government. <laughs> yeah, this is a libertarian podcast. I think I actually forgot to tell you that uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're all I, about Bitcoin to... here and the child labor laws. Government, don't touch my bread. If the fish uh, wanted to live, it could pay humans Bitcoin for the privilege. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Video Games Are the Worst Thing on Earth. I'm your host, Alton. With me, as always, is Reese. Hello, I am Reese. Thank you for joining me on the only podcast that tells you the truth about video games. Yes, and today we have a very special guest with us. Matt, the nerdy skull from Twitter. Say hello. Thanks, Alton. Uh, This is the first time I've ever been a guest on a podcast, but uh, this one's appropriate because my my banner up there says, uh, I don't know if I can swear, it says F video games. (laughs) You can swear, and we we actually demand that you swear, (laughs) that we can. Fuck! Yes, good. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate it. (laughs) No problem. Um, we came up with the idea for this episode after Matt posted uh, a cool rant on Twitter about all the... Apparently he was being harassed by people who didn't like him talking about cyberpunk. It was kind of funny simply because, uh, you know, I I am known for ranting on Twitter. I, I'm one of the, the tweet threaders, the notorious tweet threaders. I'm not... Uh, I don't uh, tweet on Adderall like, say, Eric Garland or anything, <laughs> but I, I'm known for some good Twitter rants, and I had a talk about uh, cyberpunk, mm-hmm. and some people were very, very mad about it, and so I kind of doubled down about it and made a, a longer, an even longer thread, <laughs> and uh, that one got a lot of attention, so I thought that was kind of funny. It was lots of fun. And, you know, speaking of cyberpunk, before I saw your tweet, I had watched, uh, before E3, like back in 2015, they had actually released a trailer speaking directly to the creator of cyberpunk, Mike Pondsmith. And so I was already thinking kind of about like what themes and uh, what political messages were already inherent in cyberpunk. And I think that really got the, the gears turning into, you know, how we could turn this into a political discussion on cyberpunk. I thought I think that's actually a really good idea because uh, you know I've talked about this on Twitter. Absolutely everything is political, even if it's not political. Mm. That's still political. We agree. We agree wholeheartedly. So uh, so yeah, and you know, speaking of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, the whole rant was because I thought one of the uh, devs or one of the developers' representatives said something kind of skeevy. About mm. a uh, a particular scene in, in the in the E three trailer, and honestly, I'm still very much looking forward to the game. I hope it's doing really well because I think CD Projekt Red has been doing a really great job, kind of cleaning up their act and making better female characters and treating female characters in their games better than they have before. And I hope Cyberpunk 27, 2077 excuse me does a better job of that. There was just mm-hmm. this one thing that I thought, oh, that's kind of skeevy. I hope that's not like, you know, there's a language barrier and there's all sorts of things. We don't know what's going to end up in the final game. All I right. just thought, wow, that that's a skeevy thing to say. So was it the thing that they said that implied having body modifications made you made you less than pure? I forget what the exact quote was. I just remember the the controversy a little bit more on Twitter than the actual statement. <laughs> yeah, it was just a, a thing where, you know, you found this this uh passed out woman in a bathtub and you know, the dev made a, a comment about, oh, she's unclean. Maybe she's had too many mods and stuff like that. And if you know a lot about, you know, fiction and tropes, that that kind of sets off 
alarm bells with right. with various themes. Well, I feel like anyone who uses the term like degenerate or unclean is pretty much immediately suspect. <laughs> well, and especially because for me, the problem was that, you know, referring to women as unclean, that kind of has a, a history with fiction in general. Right. And there's a very large difference in standard between what makes a man unclean and what makes a woman unclean, even in modern society and not in fiction. And I think CD Projekt Red has shown that while The Witcher 3 is, you know, a great game, that there's certainly issues within like i didn't nobody played the witcher and thought it was particularly woke you know (laughs) there there you mean like collecting trading cards about women uh naked women that that you'd banged that was not woke (laughs) no well i mean i i I haven't played the earlier ones and on top of that with the way that they treat uh you know their interns and things like that there's some worry or rather, it's it's difficult to just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt when they say stuff like this because, you know, it's just like there's a, a, a lot of little hiccups when it comes to them. So I think that was part of it, too, is that it's difficult, as good as the trailer looked, to, to, to trust them with that kind of nuance. Yeah. Right. Well, actually, I, I'd like to say that I personally think The, Witch, the Witcher 3 in general, was much better than the previous games in the series. And I think CD Projekt Red is going in a good direction. I think a lot of the things that they're misstepping with, uh, as far as, you know, you mentioned interns and stuff like that. I think that's a lot of problems with the game industry as a whole and the expectations of the game industry, rather than uniquely, you know, CD Projekt is is bad. Because, you know, uh, I think Alton did mention that in The Witcher 1, there were, in fact, uh, (laughs) trading cards that you got when uh, when you slept with particular women. And that's like, whoa, that's a little bit skeevy. That's, <laughs> but they 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 stop that. It, it's so juvenile. Like I feel like The Witcher has definitely um, upped its game, especially since the first one. Like the first one, I remember as being like this really mediocre game with like this incredibly juvenile um, collectible card system, where it's just like every where you just yeah, basically if you sleep with a woman, you get a collectible card of them. And you gotta collect the whole set to get the achievement. It's <laughs> just like I don't know. It's a bit like a game made by thirteen-year-olds. Gotta get that chivo, man. I yeah. gotta get the chiefs. I don't even like boobs. I'm just like I. I gotta get this achievement. I don't even want to sleep with these women. I have to. I have to complete this game. I love boobs, but it's important to me when I encounter them in media uh, that I feel shame and i feel like the card system did not you know did not judge me for looking at the boobs and so i have to come come down against them oh man there was a whole controversy about the witcher 3 with uh, you know not being uh sufficiently woke because it didn't have black people and you know i actually right. thought that representation complaint was a valid complaint i actually knew the guy that uh that kind of originally pushed that uh complaint mm-hmm. and he he was a huge fanatic of the game he actually loved it it was his best game of the year he right. couldn't stop gushing about it he just said there's this one thing i would really like to you know cuz he's a black guy he said, I would really like to see uh, characters that look like me in, in the game. And we don't see that in fantasy games. And he, and he even said, this isn't a problem unique to Witcher 3. This right. is in in Western fantasy in general. It's very rare to see black people. I don't think there's like a, a one singular black person in all 16 hours of the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> but to their credit, they they resp- CD Project Red responded to uh, th- uh, this person, you know, a guy by the name of Tarek Musa. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they they said, you know, we understand uh, we understand this and we're actually going to add this in a future DLC and to their credit they did. The Blood and Wine expansion did in fact have black people. That is a great feature that they need to put on the back of the box. What's notable about this particular instance that we're discussing is that mm. this complaint from the SJWs 
uh, is what drove Ian Miles Chong uh, out of the fold of SJW. <laughs> That's what made him mad. It broke his it broke his already fragile mind into a million pieces, and those pieces into a million ants into ants. <laughs> you knew where I was going. <laughs> a million red ants, red pilled ants. <laughs> a unique species oh. of ant called the red pill ant. Well, it highlights kind of this issue of criticism in games i think mm-hmm. just to go on this a bit of a tangent is that with the gamers today with the reactionary gamers you can't love a game and then say oh but i have some criticism for it, <laughs> it needs yeah. that kind of attitude you know you look at feminist frequency where they have the very some would say kind of like very feminism 101 criticisms of games of just like look at all these titties Maybe this makes some people uncomfortable. And it's just like, not even like, other than like one or two sarcastic remarks uh, in the script, there wasn't even really any judgments. It's just like, but anyways, to get back to point, it's just that I do do lay some criticism on CD Projekt Red, but it's true that, you know, there's hopefully some nuance there with the statements that they've made. And with the rest of the trailer, you know, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and and sorry for bringing us off on a tangent, but I think it's related because we're talking about CD Projekt Red in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I really do hope the game turns out well and that CD Projekt Red continues with their uh, upward trend of uh, making their games more inclusive and better f- for a bigger audience. Because ultimately, I think that's how you grow the game industry. I agree wholeheartedly. And I mean, you know, cyberpunk is an inclusive genre. The reasoning, if I recall correctly, is that since, you know, Witcher came from uh, Polish folklore, it makes sense that it represents a, a Polish worldview in the initial design or whatever. And, you know, that's its own, you know, thing we can break down. Um, but with cyberpunk, it's very specifically, even if it's not these people don't live in harmony, you know, you see, uh, you know, kind of like the rich side of things it's, uh, with the corporations and you see all different communities that live together. One of the most interesting parts of uh, Neuromancer is uh, when he hooks up with the kind of like Rastafarian, that's like separatist movement that, you know, once they had access to the appropriate technology, like, left the kind of like Judeo-Christian mass to form their own community. And I thought that was so interesting when I was like 13 or 14 reading it and the way that they explore that kind of thing. So I think that, you know, to do honor to the, to its title, um, I don't know much about the tabletop RPG. um, I would say that that's something that they have to go forward with. Hmm. Yeah. And as far, as far as uh, cyberpunk, I think, so the reason I originally said this, and of course my the the tweet that you that kind of sparked all this was I was just mentioning right. that cyberpunk is SJW as fuck, right? As genre, because and I think the, to understand why you have to look at the idea of what punk means. I'm I'm kind of a nerd, but I kind of think of myself as. Uh, adjacent to uh, a punk kind of nerd. You know, I've always gone to, uh, uh, you know, Bad Religion, Green Day, Rise Against, Anti-Flag, all that sort of stuff. It's fun fun to go. And, uh, you know, the, the punk community is, a, is a, as a concept, the, the entire meaning of punk is to tear down the status quo and the uh, the social norms that say this is what you have to do to be respectable and to try to make a new community in which all these people who don't belong in the norm can now exist without judgment. Well, I think it's interesting that you focus on the punk aspect because kind of mirroring what we're seeing rise up with cyberpunk is I I haven't done like a ton of uh, I've done dabbling in pu- culture as well, um, but one thing that was very real when I would go to punk shows is that like literal Nazis would come to the shows 
And if there wasn't enough people there, you know, sometimes you'd have to bounce or otherwise, you know, they'd have to be kind of like pushed around until they left. And it's like these, these people who would take the aesthetics of punk, the Nazis, like literal Nazis, um, you know, and they'd have their own Nazi punk bands, etc. cetera. Um, but it was kind of like this offshoot based around the aesthetics and liking the, the aggression or the energy or whatever without paying attention to the core values of most of the community. And that was a real issue as it kind of like things ebbed and flowed. Um, well, and you, it, uh, just, to, just to mention, it's, it's enough of an issue that one of the classic punk bands, the <laughs> Dead Kennedys, wrote a song called Nazi, Nazi Punk Off. Yep, yep. And uh, and so you know that and that that just kind of takes you back to a, a thing where far right wing movements like neo Nazis and you know Nazis at specifically have a thing where they like to take other people's aesthetics, other people's symbols, and try to corrupt them and chase them out of things that they made themselves. Absolutely, one of the best things in the Wolfenstein uh, reboot games are. The- records of nazi bands kind of aping the the bands of the 60s that you can find as collectibles and listen to one of their songs and they'd have like sunny and Cher and the beatles um but done but nazified um <laughs> yeah and i think that that to me was a real a smart way of dealing with the way nazis kind of like process culture um and you know just nazis and by extension right-wing extreme conservatism uh, to get my word in edgewise, I think that the idea of fascism um, infiltrating these subgroups out of appreciation, out of like purely the aesthetics of that group is has been like a huge issue throughout so many communities and that there are so many problems like within the furry community and even like the brony community of these people who latch on to like the aesthetics of that community and claim to be a part of it and yet uh, their understanding of the values of that community is so twisted and perverted that it's almost unrecognizable from the original yeah, you've got, you know, Nazi furries, Nazi bronies, Nazi weeaboos. Yeah, exactly. The, the anime Nazis. Just, oh, man. You know, and it's the, these communities. Well, I don't know about anime, but the rest of them <laughs> have, like, distinctly um, pro-tolerance, pro-acceptance messages that um, in, in some ways sort of attract these sort of not these sort of fascists and that they can get into this community and exploit the tolerance of these people in order to stick around and continue to spread their message within the community, even though they're spreading a distinctly anti-tolerance message, which is antithetical to the community itself. Well, you got this whole uh, thing, you know, with, uh, I think it's the same thing with anime too, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because creative types almost everywhere tend to lean very hard left uh, so you see that in Hollywood, you see that in animation, you see that in anime as well. Excuse me, Tim Allen, the most creative, <laughs> is very far right. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I just want to set the record now straight. You, we, you need to get a soundboard that just has the Tim Allen I've been up, We've been go, owned. Mm-hmm. We've been owned. Tim Allen has proven that we're just... We're lefty Swidja critics that don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Him and um, Roseanne Barr, incredibly <laughs> creative individuals. I would never have thought of the, the amazing slurs they've come up with. These people have got a real knack for uh, being hateful shitheads, and we need to recognize their talent, even though we might not agree with it. Roseanne Barr is incredibly talented. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, but uh, she invented house music. So uh, there you go. That's what you get for making fun of her. Yeah, we've been we've been owned. It's unfortunate, but let's uh, let's continue talking about what were you going to say, uh, Matt? Oh, I was just going to just kind of uh, refocus us back on cyberpunk in right. general. Like back with that whole, uh, you know, unclean because of too many mods sort of thing. There has been a history, you know, we uh, some people have talked about the uh, original cyberpunk RPG 
that Cyberpunk 2077 is based off of. And, you know, there, there is, in fact, a thing in it where they refer to, uh, you know, cyber psychosis from having uh, too many mods and stuff like that. You know, th- there, there are those sorts of themes sometimes. But that's just on the service level. If you take a little bit deeper look into it, it often uh, turns out that they're not saying that this always happens. This is more a thing where people who are predisposed to a lack of, uh, of empathy and or, or choose to have a lack of empathy towards others, if you mod your way of thinking, your mental state too far, you can become more disconnected from the way normal people think and empathy towards them, and you can develop this cyber psychosis. And mechanically, this was used in order to make villains, along with uh, various drug addictions that were sometimes right. related to the uh, cybernetic implants in general, either working mm. with them or as a result of getting them uh, the process of going through the pain or whatever, you know, right. dealing with it. Another thing is that um, in the original game, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, if you got too many mods, they would use up your, I guess, humanity points. And that was used mostly as a way to balance, uh, to keep them from, like, getting shit tons of mods and becoming incredibly overpowered. You know, it has a message about, like, unintentionally or intentionally, it has a message about, you know, technology's effect on humanity, which personally I think is completely bullshit. But I Mm -hmm. think its other purpose was to keep people from completely breaking the game by turning themselves into a cyborg death machine. Yeah, there was a mechanical purpose. Right. I think there's nuance, too, between a creator-storyteller perspective of, you know, these mods equaling unclean and there being thematics where the kind of transhuman technology involved isn't always good. And, you know, for example, uh, Altered Carbon has an interesting kind of very cyberpunk element about people can extend their lives using technology, but only the rich have access to it. So it's, it paints the technology in a very negative light, but it's not because the technology in and of itself, you know, makes, makes you less pure. It's about the class dynamics involved. So I think that that's kind of, to me, that an, an interesting, is the nuance there to the, the kind of the statements. And it's interesting you mentioned, uh, mentioned that as well, because cyberpunk kind of has an overlap with uh, a different uh, science fiction uh, genre or different science fiction kind of uh, theme or ideology, uh, which is transhumanism. And uh, transhumanism has uh, a lot of these same sort of uh, themes with augmenting uh, oneself and the various ethics and processes involved in it. And one of my favorite uh, transhumanist uh, pieces of media, which is another RPG called Eclipse Phase, has uh, very similar sorts of things going on where they literally live in the transhumanist future and people are near immortal, but there's all these extremely unethical modifications that people do to have influence over other people's minds. Interesting. Uh, modifications built into the, the brain of the body that can allow the person's, for lack of a better word, their owner to spy on them or even affect their thought processes. They call them writer modules. And is this a tabletop RPG? Yes, that's correct. I will play it once I get some friends in real life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm using my executive power to get us back on track. We have so much left to cover. We've only barely scratched the surface of this whole cyberpunk 2077. And so I'll let you decide. I'll let you gents decide. What would you prefer to do? We have a very interesting article on the origins of cyberpunk 2077 or we have some salt mines we could do. I think maybe we've had some serious discussion. Would you like to? Would you care to skip ahead a little bit and read some salt mines from cringe anarchy? It's time for dessert. Dessert being salty from the mines. You've got the 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 sea salt ice cream coming. Exactly. That's that's also uh, that's my new catchphrase. 
<laughs> it's time Copyright for Copyright Race 2018. Do not use it or be DMCA'd. This edition of Salt Mines comes to us from what is possibly the worst, most reactionary Reddit uh, thread from Cringe Anarchy, who basically dedicate their lives to just being horrible, miserable shitheads to people who are attempting to enjoy theirs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you at the top of this what what exactly is Cringe Anarchy, but I guess that answers it? I don't know if it has anything to do with anarchy per se, but they are most definitely dedicated to just being massive shitheads. Like, cringe culture in general is just fucking awful because oh, yeah. they literally will just harass people for just living their lives innocently and not hurting anyone and their idea of a good time is making people miserable basically every single one of the people on this uh subreddit should be killed so it's cringe culture and then the anarchy is just like a the, the, the subtitle it's like if somebody called themselves libertarians anarchy yeah we're think... the libertarians who are going crazy on these nerds on the internet okay i got it so this thread is in response to mike from the pbs ideas channel i think mike is pretty cool he does a lot of videos about theoretical discussions about different shows and characters and what like their social and political impact are but his tweet is is it naive to hope that cyberpunk 2077 will maintain and perhaps focus on its namesake's genre's complex anti-capitalist sentiment and ruthless judgment of entrepreneurism slash corporate technological utopianism it is isn't it and (laughs) they have titled this thread leftist upset at lack of anti-capitalism in trailer boring white male character and he doesn't say anything about their the character they're making it up for points i assume but like they never bring up the fact he never bring mike never brings up the fact that the character is white and in fact we know that to be false and that you can customize your character in cyberpunk 2077 I always say that people who are anti-SJW have simply decided that anyone to the left of Ronald Reagan actually is this stereotype of an SJW that they have made up out of whole cloth instead of engaging with the ideas of the actual people they're arguing with. Yeah, pretty much. We have some very choice cuts of salt mine, especially, um, I'm trying to find the one I found earlier. Oh, here it is. <laughs> Kia Throwaway 92 is responding to this uh, comment that says, uh, CD Projekt Red, they made the Witcher theories. They are Polish. The Polish do give no shit. And then there's like, so it's probably going to be a great game. And he says, well, we know that anti-capitalism is a theme in Cyberpunk 2020, so it'll probably be in 2077. We've seen from the trailer that most of the characters in the game aren't white, and you can create a female character. Also, Cyberpunk is made by a black man. CD Projekt Red, in general, is pretty SJW, and Witcher had tons of quests about sexism, racism, etc. So it'll probably be shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, naturally. That was a great comment. I love that most of these people are... The, celebrating that, oh, this leftist is so triggered by this game trailer, and then they're like, this is gonna be great, I love this game, oh, I love that they're triggering people, so I love the game now, and then this guy's like, well, actually, according to reality, all of these things are true, so it'll be shit, and it's just like the non-sequitur at the end is cr- just crazy. Like, the quality of a game is is entirely dependent upon whether or not a black guy made it. <laughs> you you always have these uh these anti SJW guys who always seem to uh assign group membership to people based on all these weird weird uh factors. You know, you've probably seen oh the the Japanese are uncucked, so that's why Japanese games are good. But then you also see, uh, you know, entirely the opposite where oh Nintendo is caving to SJW, so that's bad. <laughs> you know, 
it's it's never any concrete ideology. It's just always whatever benefits the argument at the time. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a it's the classic reactionary mindset that we've explored uh, again and again here on video games and are the worst thing on earth. These anti SJW types, as uh, was put, it's about the the, the kind of hysteria that's involved with being one of these people for whatever just makes you decide to react unpleasantly anytime that there's like a black person who is just having a normal day and you get upset <laughs> about that that whatever makes you that reactionary they don't respond to anything concrete um and it's part of a and and to me the one thing it, in this podcast I'd like to hammer home is that these people are the same as uh, reactionaries the world over. They're just trapped in a basement uh, by being unfuckable goblins. (laughs) And and it's, and it's just like, I, I, it's like the, the, the steam group that we went through the, the other episode that doesn't rate games whether they're good or bad, but only recommends them or does not recommend them uh, by their spectrum of SJW influence. And oh, it's, I saw that one. Yeah, by it's, the one angry gamer. One angry gamer uh, who is my father. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. You know, it's it's a bit of a ramble. But I I I just kind of want to underscore this this outlook that is just always amazing to me because I don't know about you guys, but I can enjoy, you know, stuff that's problematic. I can enjoy a, an, an action movie that has mm. pretty regressive themes or whatever. And not and say like that has problems. I, I can enjoy a good Polish joke. <laughs> a good uh, racism, and, a solid and, racism. And absolutely. Like I'm a huge fan of Lovecraftian horror, you know, the, mm. the cosmic horror mm. stuff. And oh, yeah. Lovecraft was horrifically racist, even for his time. And it's really, it's really baked into a lot of the stories. Yeah, too. like his story about how you know these people's bloodlines have been uh, tainted by frog people, and you know that's like an obvious <laughs> allegory to like um, racial fears, like with like the one drop rule and all that shit in the United States. <laughs> and it's pretty interesting. And I think his his. Um, was almost like a genuine psychosis of uh, xenophobia, basically, and that he was terrified of like leaving his attic, more, much less like meeting somebody who had like a different skin color than him. And so he's like Lovecraft is an especially bad example of a, someone who's very influential as a creator and has a very checkered history. But I feel like a lot of people enjoyed his work sort of outside of that, and that you know modern Lovecraftian horror isn't necessarily even about that anymore. It's much more sophisticated and not quite, what if black people were cosmic horror? (laughs) (laughs) If I may refocus us on the salt mines, I have a trio of uh, food-based comments that I would (laughs) like to read. Do it. The first is from uh, my boy, Free Broken. And of course it's a bearded new male. Fuck, I'm starting to hate these people. Based artist... Too much soy in this tweet? And then (laughs) mundane but track chain? There isn't enough soy to make this a realistic depiction of the future. (laughs) And, you know, I know it's well-worn, but I love the soy boy thing. It is the funniest insult that anybody's ever leveled. And you know that somebody at some point in their life has called them a soy boy and they're like i've never had soy once in my life that piece of shit you're the soy boy i'm not soy boy these are people that are terrified by a gallon of milk turning them into a woman (laughs) it's it's absolutely great because even paul joseph watson you know prison planet you know the school shooting truther extraordinaire had to had to distance himself from the soy boy thing because h bomber guy owned him just too brutally it was a, a spectacular own it was a beautiful own he just nuked that fucking meme from orbit and now <laughs> they've retreated on it on the basis of scientific fact and have had to basically fall back on the 
tried and true. Oh, it's a meme. You leftists don't get it. It's just a meme. We never believed it in the first place. It's just a meme. The instant you prove to these people that their ideology has absolutely no physical evidence in reality, they retreat to this, oh, uh, uh, I'm not mad, you're mad, it's a meme, uh, lol, haha, uh, you got triggered by a meme. They, they never admit to being wrong, even when they've been so brutally owned by logic and reason, ironically, uh, that they have to retreat on their, their points, essentially. Yeah, and everybody has known this forever. I mean, how long ago has that, you know, ancient, I'm, it might even be the, the the original where the troll face came from, that comic with what, what trolls want you to believe and what what's really happening, that really old one, I think was like from early 2010s. Well, I mean, they, they can't come up with anything on their own. I love the left camp meme. Anyways, I'm here to unironically make a did you just assume my gender joke here in our Lord 2018. Man, that's that's fresh. The thing that is the most wonderful about the left camp meme is that they couldn't even create like a mascot like from within. I love that the that the guy who made Pepe is just constantly suing and <laughs> against all the outright chuds who put Pepe on stuff, and it's just like it, it, they're always so surprised. It's like what? How? I can't believe he, the creator of this, did this to us. This thing that and I don't know. It's just wonderful. So if you want more uh, salt mines content, somebody mentioned earlier that there's a game called uh, Techno Babylon, and there's apparently oh. a really classic Steam th- uh, forum thread about it that's full of salt. One last thread, though. I really would like to read this one last one on this thread by Blark the First. Is it just me, or do soy boys have a certain look to them? You can almost see the soy running through their veins just by looking at their faces. <laughs> <laughs> These people it's have so no idea what soy even is. They think it's like a magical evil serum that turns you into a swidja. And and uh, the best part, too, is that they have the double think down in that the same people who use the soy insult will often praise Japanese culture and, uh, and say that Japan is uncucked, even though... Uh, Japan consumes an incre- Japanese men as a whole consume incredible amounts of soy. Yeah, well, like as we said, there's no basis in fact, but it's just funny watching them talk about soy like it's a deadly serum that just courses through your veins and turns you into a, a beardy soy boy. I think that this would be much funnier instead of using the term soy, they just use the word cum. <laughs> like... <laughs> This, listen to this with uh, my rewrites. Right. Is it just me, or do these cum boys have a certain look to them? <laughs> you can almost see the cum running through their veins just by looking at their faces. Come on, that's way better. That is pretty funny. <laughs> the Rat King 5 says, does the like, little uh, indication quotes from 4chan almost see? Almost? Question mark. And then it's like, oh, fair enough. Yeah, like, you can see soy. These reactionaries have trained their eyes to be able to spot soy particles from miles away. Well, and the, the best part, too, is that in the rare case that one of these alt-right chuds has an actual picture of themselves, the beardy soy guys, you know, as a gay guy, let me tell you, they're way more attractive <laughs> than the alt-right chud trying to... Uh, yeah, Mike is a well-groomed, a well-groomed, handsome man, and they are just jealous of him and his success. And let us talk secondarily about our next little, a next little nug of salt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Will you do the honor of reading it for us? That's the one that I was talking about with Techno Babylon. Yes. Uh, yes. Nyaru says, "Tricked by the SJWs again." Snap! They got me good. Played just over two hours before they unleashed their agenda. (laughs) Suddenly I'm looking at interracial gay marriages and hanging with minority trans people in a progressive paradise where it is the norm, as apparently nobody's even surprised by it. (laughs) Just past the refund period. (sighs) 
well, I guess it's my own fault for taking my time and inspecting everything instead of rushing through the story. Oh, wait, edit. before you go to the next, oh. before you go to the edit, I just want to point out that, yes, this person was like, oh, I've been tricked by the SJWs. Oh, oh I can't believe I have to hang out with uh, trans people and it's normal for them. And I, I'm so disgusted and I can't get a refund. And I was like, well, I guess that's what I did for taking my time and then edit. And he's still yes. fucking playing the game. That's yep. what gets to me. <laughs> edit. And now I found lesbians and a gay robot and some other cringy thing that I forgot. <laughs> what what I like about this is the term, and apparently nobody is even surprised by it. I really enjoy the idea of somebody playing a game and the gay marriage, uh, interracial gay marriage is introduced, and everybody in the game just gasps. <laughs> everybody is surprised by it. Just, I can't believe this happened. And then the game continues, and they just gasps in like horror and surprise every time. But there's nothing different. I don't know. I just think that that's a really funny idea, the idea of being surprised in the story. Uh, just like, oh my goodness, a minority. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to point out that, I don't know, the way this reads to me is almost a kind of the lady doth protest too much situation. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> In that it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at interracial men hanging like out with trans people. The gay, the gay robot makes him feel. <laughs> yeah, he's still playing it. To be completely fair, if he can't get a ref, I could see somebody being like, Oh, I hate this, but I want to get my money out of it because I can't get fun. I'm just gonna bull my way through it and grit my teeth and throw my brow the entire time. God damn it! Ugh. Well, it, to me, it seems like he's almost admitting that these elements in the game make it interesting and make it distinct from games he's played in the past, and that he's almost playing it to see things he has not seen before. And this, to me, is sort of an unintentional acknowledgement of the validity of having diversity in games, <laughs> in that it creates sort of unique uh, situations that typically are overlooked by most games that are developed strictly for, like, the white male audience. And, and I think the gay robot as well is kind of interesting, because that's one fun thing about cyberpunk in general, and we kind of get to the whole artificial being aspect of cyberpunk in general where you have uh you know a common theme is artificial intelligences and how they might interact with human society and human norms and the idea that a robot can have a gender and in fact be gay is is in fact a weird idea in general because robots don't actually have a gender humans either would give them a gender or they would choose their own, which kind of makes all robots trans. Yeah, that's a very good point. I like that idea because that makes this guy, one of our favorite things is when chuds are accidentally woke and that he's, acknowledge he's acknowledging the validity of this uh, robot, the validity of this robot's uh, gender by <laughs> calling him a gay robot. Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope it's like, uh, as Alton says, and that he's basically has his nose pressed against the window of a more interesting and exciting life uh, that he has denied up until this point. Because, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's just, he can't even formulate a reason that there's a problem with it. He just knows deep down that there is, and then one day he might wonder, maybe... Maybe that there's not a problem. One of my favorite things about this is that uh, somebody pointed this one out to me in my thread, and the creator of the game actually came in to uh, talk with us about uh, being a connoisseur of this kind of salt at his games, and it was great. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, That's really cool. cool. What's the uh, creator's name? Oh, Take it's a look uh, at it later. well, the Twitter account is Dave uh, Wadget. Yeah, it's Dave Gilbert Wadget Eye Games. That's pretty freaking amazing like oh and actually i'd like to give a big shout out to techno babylon they're having a big sale on steam right now for the summer sale 70 percent off you can get uh techno babylon shardlight primordia and gemini rue for 11 dollars right now it's pretty sweet so check that out that's a pretty good deal i'm i'm actually uh going to buy that hell yeah i'm gonna get techno babylon after this podcast <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean if that if that's not a good recommendation 
for uh for a cool cyberpunk game. I want to meet the gay is. robot. I want to be friends with the gay robot. <laughs> Speaking of other uh, sorts of games along this uh you know cyberpunk bent, uh, we can also send out a plug to Read Only Memories as well, I think, which is another very good, very SJW cyberpunk adventure game. 2064, I played uh, some of that. First couple chapters that I played was really good. That was uh, an interesting game. It was well written. What was the game of the name? The name of the game? Uh, Read 20... Only Memories 2064. I, I, it took me a second because I was like, is that 2064? Because that's the way I remember it in my head. Gotcha. Big opportunity missed here because they could have had it 2069. Same with Cyberpunk, honestly. They're really just messing, like dropping the ball on this one. I'm enraged. I'm, I'm boycotting both of those games. You, you could, I mean, you could have guaranteed that you would have had rev- in an incredible number of reviews of just nice. Exactly. Man. That's going to be on the, that should have been on the box, honestly. Just nice. Like, like destructoid rock paper shotgun IGN etc. Just to like an entire page of nice. Exactly. So, where should we go from here? Let's talk about the the Deus Ex thing because I I don't want to do the we only have limited time and right. I think the the Deus Ex stuff is more interesting than the uh, the article. Yeah. Yeah, right. Deus Ex is another thing that I would I would say is a very good uh, cyberpunk example. There's there's definitely some crossing over of themes, but especially when you get to places like uh, Hong Kong and various underworld things, it's it gets very cyberpunk. I mean, you know, just as generally, Deus Ex, I, I agree, is in cyberpunk in general and on in the world of games, probably is a marquee cyberpunk uh work and i think it it has to do with kind of like the way it applies the the themes of kind of like the the classism and the way technology can uh, affect our day-to-day life and what's interesting about the the video that alton posted it kind of starts as like a very normal video game analysis video and then kind of like really kind of digs deep into its more honestly leftist uh, class-based themes about the way that uh, rich people and uh, those in power the elite uh, control uh, everybody else and that while in the world it might not necessarily be a specific illuminati there are people out there who are serving a similar function and there's it's really been prescient in the way that it's presented all of its themes and everything Deus Ex is an interesting example because J.C. Denton actually kind of starts out working for the bad guys, more or less. They are part of one of those shadowy government organizations that is used as an arm of the wealthy and powerful to control everybody else. And as you play the game, I mean, you can see it in in action. It's interesting that there are so many homeless people and poverty is... uh, represented so uh pointedly in a way that would either only be kind of like uh you know stylings either the thugs that you have to deal with or whatever you know this is a level it'd be something like batman where the thugs are just there because you have to have somebody to beat up right but yeah in in deus ex you you are right that you actually have to deal with a lot of these underground people yeah, like in Deus Ex, the poor people are there because of how fucked up society is in the time that the game is set. You know, massive, massive wealth inequality has driven like huge portions of the population to live out on the street while other people are so fantastically wealthy that they live in like these huge luxurious mansions and have like all these cool cybernetic modifications and have so much power and influence that they literally control governments. And in an interesting kind of wrinkle in human revolution, one of the bosses, or maybe all of the bosses, is experiencing a specific plight 
because it had like the first generation cybernetics in his body and now the cybernetics have been developed to the point where his shit is no longer supported and there's that weird gel you have to take to make sure that you keep uh you don't reject your implants so it kind of creates this extra uh layer of the kind of like the way that the technology might interact with the, the kind of the issues of obsolescence in technology, which kind of brings it around to our initial point right at the top, is that cyberpunk is SJW as hell. Even in uh, the kind of like most negative portrayals of technology in the game, or kind of like the most negative stuff it does portray, um, all of the successful cyberpunk works have these markers of kind of like this class awareness and this technology awareness. It's very uh, humanist and, uh, you know, has a great deal of empathy, even in kind of like those most sardonic. And it's almost mm. honestly by design with a lot of the style elements. Like you can't have a story, you know, you probably re- reverse engineer uh, like a shitty conservative cyberpunk story where the big mega corps are great. Um, and it's, you know, that somehow that they're the the ones that should be in control. But, it, you know, it, it, I don't think any of us would believe that that's a good story. Like most cyberpunk <laughs> is uh, deals with those themes that, you know, the people that we're talking about in the salt mines would call SJW. So one of the interesting things, I can kind of bring it back to the earlier point about uh, the questioning whether mods make you less human. One of the interesting parts is that more recent more recent editions of Shadowrun have actually made exceptions for various things where getting modded in a way that if you lost something and replace it, like for example an arm, that does not actually cost you any humanity points or whatever. And uh, it's it's things that bring you out of the norm, more or less. But even then, I think that's still questionable. Like, I'm going to go into a couple other, uh, a couple other things. Like, for example, let's take, for example, Ghost in the Shell, uh, which is a fantastic uh, cyberpunk anime work. It's one of the classics uh, of science fiction anime. And uh, one of its themes, more or less, is exactly exploring those that idea of augments making you less human. And one of the main characters, uh, Bateau, has had his eyes replaced, and he feels that it makes him less human. But ironically, I feel that the author, uh, you know, Bateau makes a very big deal about this, but ironically, I feel that the author is using that to emphasize that although Bateau feels like it makes him less human, it actually does not because the feeling of feeling less human is actually a very human sentiment. Uh-huh. And you have that kind of weird uh, reversal of, of, of expectations and narrative devices that people can use. And I think a lot of people kind of mistake by only seeing the surface level of it. Interesting. It's a sort of meta narrative where in order to lose your humanity has almost, it doesn't really have anything to do with um, the cybernetics that you like are putting into yourself. It has a lot more to do with like just how much you care. Basically, if you're the type of person that would like cut off their own arm to replace it with like a blaster can cannon, you're probably kind of a psycho. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, he, he had to, and he, wasn't very happy when he had to but even so it's it's more of a thing where individual uh people can experience different things very very differently and even to give the whole uh you know cyber psychosis thing the benefit of the doubt i think there actually is something there to say you know if we're talking a cyberpunk setting where you have invasive neural vr sort of technology I could see an, an argument for somebody who who has one of those things and uses it heavily may in fact become disconnected from the cares and concerns about humans in the real world because they no longer have to concern themselves with the realities of the physical world except in very rare cases. And I think that there's an aspect too of, you know, the... Like like you were talking about, the nature of the technology 
matters a lot. Like, I, I couldn't tell you if I got my arm ripped off and I got it replaced with a robot arm, how, what percentage of human I would feel like, you know, that's obviously a fantastical case. It's case by case. It's, it's, it's weird to explore as like, what if it really happened? But I think, you know, that there's something to be said for something like, like an arm or some kind of improvement to is different than something like in the book, the Diamond Age, which is a, about a society where uh, modding your body is extremely prevalent, um, heavily modified. Um, one of the opening moments is a character that has replaced uh, the structure of the stuff in his head so he can squeeze a gun in there. So he has a skull gun, and it's huh. portrays and he's portrayed as like an insane brute for doing this. Um, while there are other characters that have kind of like protective skin, etc., where it, it's not necessarily, it doesn't affect them quite in the same way because they're doing something, you know, they either have protective skin or some other improvement that makes them feel safer or better able to engage with their job or what they need to do, um, as opposed to somebody who has technology that just helps them kill. Right. So I think too that you know it's it's something that you can explore, and I'm not you know who knows you know how we can codify modifying our body in such a way where we can be sure it's a hundred percent positive. That's part of what mm. these stories are uh, their value in exploring this. Um, but I think that the outlook in the, the the possibilities not being like oh if you replace your body. Um, you have the chance of becoming impure. You have the chance of making the wrong decision. You know, that's something yeah. that's very kind of closed off thinking-wise. Yeah. I agree. I would just want to get a word in edgewise about how, you know, a lot of these games, sort of for a mechanical reason, they have to focus on how, you know, you can't just replace every single part of your body with a mechanical one because you'll become completely overpowered due to like the technology level of this game less explored is the theme of how technology can sort of fulfill your humanity and that in these future environments you know you don't have people who are cripples you don't have people who are blind because they have all had their full humanity expressed through technology it's been made possible that they can modify themselves to fix anything that they perceive as something wrong with them. Yeah, you're exactly right because if you if you think about it, how do you think somebody who has who has in fact lost the use of their legs feels when you you say that somebody who uh has had their their legs replaced with cyber legs mm. which uh fulfill the same purpose feels when you say that makes them impure. It, it's it's a silly thing to say because mm-hmm. Because you know the the entire purpose of this technology is in fact to make these people is to make people's lives better in the case of something uh, that can happen beyond their control. That's a great way of looking at it, and I would agree. Yeah, that doesn't even get into like the whole issue with like, well, what about if people feel more comfortable as like another gender? Touching on, um, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> It's okay. Well, well, I would say say uh, would like to point out that trans people and, in fact, gender nonconforming people in general are very common in tra- in uh, cyberpunk uh, settings. Right. Well, I don't know. I think that is a pretty good discussion. Do you guys want to cover any more topics, or I, I just want to do one say one last thing, which I... is to kind of contrast all the interesting stuff that's been brought up and uh, against kind of what, what I would argue is the anti-cyberpunk piece of media currently kind of in our worldview, which is, I would say, Ready Player One. It's got kind of like a lot of the same tropes, but it's it's a world where people love the corporation, a world where the main character has a very uh, heteronormative feel um, with kind of some embarrassing tropes in the way that the relationship builds. Um, and I don't know, you know, and there are people who like that, the people who like seeing Iron Giant with a gun um, and ignoring the whole point <laughs> of Iron Giant. But it's just like, to me, like that is an extremely unsuccessful story, 
even like if you take out social justice concerns or whatever, it's wokeness. Um, just because it it doesn't understand the media that it's so reverential towards. Um, and I think that that is an example of something that it's like cyberpunk without the SJW. And I don't know, you know, I don't have like a, a big point, but I just think that it's, I don't know, the something worth bringing up here at the end. Well, it's basically cyber with no punk, essentially. <laughs> you have people with like their little, their little cages with like the VR helmets on. And nobody's, you know, fighting against this. Nobody's trying to change society. Nobody's being a runner and, like, sabotaging the network so that people can't indulge in escapism from this horrifically fucked up society they live in where, like, people just have trailers stacked on top of each other. So, actually, I would like to mention that I, I entirely agree that it, using a lot of the, the aesthetics of cyberpunk without actually understanding the meaning or the, you know, the, the entire, the, the politics of cyberpunk. Right. Because the, the story of Ready Player One, I, I guess this is minor spoilers, but the entire idea is that a corporation controls the Nexus and nobody's actually fighting against that fact. And not even the heroes are trying to fight against that, that fact. What's happening is that the it's almost like a kind of a weird cybernetic uh, Willy Wonka sort of thing going on, where the person who owns the Nexus, the corporation that owns the Nexus, is looking for a person to inherit the corporation, and he wants to give it to whoever can successfully go through all of these Easter eggs and find find the the right code or whatever. And so nobody's challenging the idea that a corporation owns this. They're just wanting to be the person who owns it so that they can continue to let it run as it's run rather than being run, quote unquote, in an, in an abusive way, rather than basically making it a, a resource for everybody. A worship of the corporation is absolutely. And the only reason that the guy at the corporation isn't worthy is because his nerd cred isn't real. <laughs> and that's that's the only strike against it. And to me, it's just like, I know like a lot of people like Ready Player One in both book and movie form. So it's just like, it's not like, I don't know, whatever, but it sucks. And <laughs> I think that it, it, it shows that, you know, when you divorce yourself from the kind of like ideas that make a lot of this stuff, kind of like why it popped in the first place, it definitely hollows out. And, you know, and that's just to say my point is, my argument is that the SJW aspect brings something interesting and good to it. That's a very good point and sort of a counterbalance to several examples we've given of really good cyberpunk to something that is so poorly handled that it doesn't even deserve the punk part of its name. You know, you completely remove politics or try to remove, nobody can actually fully remove politics from their game, from their movie or their game or any piece of media, but you try to remove politics from it and you end up making a story, which is a lot less exciting and a lot less relatable to people in the real world. Because, you know, in our life, politics affect everything and everyone um, and when you try to just overlook it you end up creating this story that's sort of childish basically where they're like oh, the bad corporation is bad and we have to take it from them because they're not real gamers and we will run it because we're good and real gamers <laughs> i think i'm all worn out for today so let's go ahead and wrap things up do our our little outro and uh references so, well, do you have any uh, any final statements for us, Matt? It's okay. I do want to apologize, by the way, if I talked over too much or or, or stole the conversation or whatever. Nah. No, we had we had you on to talk, man. That's what we want <laughs> from you. And it's especially okay if you talked over Olden. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> okay. All right. I I think we're ready to wrap it up. Yep. Yeah. So, Reese, where can people find your great online content? You can find my great online content at Your Very Good Bud on Twitter, where I will tweet good things and occasionally I will insult our press secretary. <laughs> All right, Matt, where can we find you and your great online work? 
Uh, I am Matt the Nerdy Skull on Twitter. My handle is m underscore m underscore Myers. And yeah, I'd uh, appreciate you uh, following me. I talk about politics, games, and nerd culture a lot. And I also talk about LGBT politics and other weird, uh, weird things. So if you like eclectic nerd culture, that's where you can find it. Hell yeah. And you can find my work. I am at 8Alton8 on Twitter, and you can see my YouTube. (laughs) You can find me on YouTube at Alton Plays, where I do lots of videos, and I upload this podcast too as well. And yeah, I think that just about wraps it up. And we have our own Twitter, V-G-A-T-W-T-O-E. Enter those letters into Twitter, and you shall find the video games are the worst thing on Earth. Twitter account. Matt, oh, yeah. I'd like to thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. Uh, it was a wonderful time. Um, and I would like to thank you, the audience, for listening to the podcast that tells you the truth. You've been truth games. bombed, baby. <laughs> Thanks video for games. having me on. I'd be happy if you ever have any topic you think I would be useful or uh, as a foil or conversation partner on. I would be happy to come on again. I had fun. I'll we'll right. take you up on that. Have a great day. All right. Have a great night. Thanks for watching, everyone. See you later. Bye. I got kicked out of the Shadowrun game because I was too fucking lame. They threw away my character sheet. They threw me out in the goddamn street. I never figured out how to cyber check. It told me that I was full of stress. I had to get on the telecom to get picked up by my mama. I got kicked out of Shadowrun. I got kicked out of Shadowrun. I got kicked out of Shadowrun. I got kicked out of Shadowrun.